Good evening to everybody. It is great to be back and see everybody again. And again, it is a blessing that we can come together and just openly and uh, with confidence worship God and bring Him glory thereby as we come together. And again, we, never we ought to never take this blessing for granted because it's not that way everywhere in the world. Good to see everybody. Good to have visitors with us tonight. And we're so thankful for you being here. We do hope that you'll have the opportunity to come back and be with us. If you have any questions, please ask us. We keep saying we just want to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Now, started this particular study last Sunday evening. And as I've said, on the Sunday evening uh, lessons, I'm, I'm trying to bring these as, and, and design them to be faith-building, faith-strengthening lessons, and that really focus to a great extent upon uh, the church and upon us as Christians. Now, I've asked the question in this particular study, and we're going to bring it to a close this evening, are you a careless Christian? Now, again, not to be accusing, not looking down my nose at anybody, not pointing fingers at any particular individual or anything like that, but not to be accusing, how focused are you on your spiritual life and your relationship with God? How focused are you on your soul? I believe, and I believe this is, you know, realistic as, as you know, from my analysis, if you ask a whole lot of people, perhaps a vast majority of people in our country right now, these questions, they might be speechless after you ask them. They might stumble around a little bit. They might try to find some words to answer that would supposedly assure us that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm focused, yeah, I think about, yeah. But the reality is they don't focus much on their relationship with God. They don't focus much on their soul. They just kind of go about life doing what they want to do. And their thoughts are not on God. They're not on Christ. They're not on Christianity. They're not on their soul. They're not thinking about getting to heaven as their primary goal in life. They're just doing things that, that they want to think about or that are kind of taking over their thought process. They're looking for pleasures that suit them and they're not thinking about whether those pleasures conform with what God's Word teaches. So again, profound questions, soul-searching questions. How focused are you on your spiritual life and your relationship with God? How focused are you on your soul? As I've said a, a time or two just lately, a whole lot of people, when it comes to using pronouncing the name of God or of Christ, they almost never do except through some statement of profanity, vulgarity, cursing. And then they'll invoke God's name or Christ's name in that cursing process. How sad that is. How sad indeed. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, Jesus asked again this soul-searching question, and it's in connection with what our basic questions are. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We need to stop and ask ourselves, 
how much attention am I giving to my eternal destiny? Two words describe exact opposites as to the attention given to a particular matter at hand. And those words are careful and careless. Now careful, I think we would understand. I understand what careful means. I understand what careless means. But the the idea of careful is exercising or exhibiting or marked by or done with care. It's giving proper attention to a matter at hand. Most literally, from a positive perspective, it is being full of care about some situation. Careless, on the other hand, is being, in our mindset and in our actions, neglectful, indifferent, negligent, showing a lack of proper concern. And we can come up with a number of different synonyms, but some would be lackadaisical, being lackadaisical or apathetic or inattentive and appropriate synonyms for the idea of being careless, having a lack of proper care about a given matter. Now, which of these two basic words really best describes your attitude and life as a Christian. Again, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be judgmental. This is an exercise in self-examination for all of us, myself included. We're told in in the New Testament scriptures a number of times that we need to exercise the self-discipline of self-examination. We need to stop and ask ourselves, how am I doing as a Christian? How am I doing in my spiritual life? And we need to exercise that kind of self-examination on an ongoing basis, an ongoing basis. And so, as we said last time, we need to be careful to not be careless and thereby put our soul's salvation in jeopardy. We've got to give proper attention. The devil is skillful at getting us off track, at at turning our attention away from the most important things, and ultimately the most important thing, and that is getting to heaven and our relationship with God and our soul's well-being or lack thereof, and he gets us focused on other things, other things that that are more on the periphery, other things that that are more incidental and not as important. And so we have to always be on guard, always, again, self-examination. Where am I? Where's my thought process? Where am I headed? Where am I focused on in life? Well, we looked at at, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 28. We looked at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and Luke chapter 10 and verse 41. We looked at different texts of Scripture that, that talk about either the idea of of being too focused from a negative perspective or simply being properly focused. And we looked and examined the different words that are translated into the English from the Greek in a number of those texts of Scripture. Now, what I want us to do this evening as we bring this particular study to a close, I want to ask that question, are you careful or are you careless in how you live as a Christian? Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 16. Interesting. The wise man wrote, he who keeps the commandments keeps his soul. What commandments is he talking about? He's not talking about 
rules and regulations from the government of any nation. He's not talking about some kind of rules and regulations that we might have imposed upon us at our job site or through some organization to which we belong. He's talking about God's word. He who keeps the commandments keeps his soul. Now notice the condition of keeping our soul. What does he mean by keeping our soul? We are secure in our spiritual life. Our soul's salvation is secure. How? We follow God's teachings. We keep his commandments. We're obedient to his teachings. But then he goes on, the wise man goes on, and this is Solomon writing here. He says, but he who is careless of his ways will die. So he distinguishes between two lines of focus in living our lives. One is being careful. I want to live by God's word. I want to follow his teachings. That's the best life for me to be able to live. And I want to get to heaven ultimately. And then the opposite of that is being careless and not paying attention to God's word, not following his teachings uh, consistently. And he says, that soul will die. That soul will die. Now we're talking about a lifestyle that assures our salvation. And we read further in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Think about that now. The highway of the upright, the faithful, the dedicated, the righteous is to turn away from evil, avoid sin. But he who keeps his way preserves his soul, keeps focused, walking the walk, living the life, not just talking the talk. Are you careless as to governing your life by God's word? Again, soul-searching question. Proverbs 13 and verse 13, he who despises the word, the word of God will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Now what's meant by fears the commandment? Regards it with, with uh, with proper importance in his life. He lives by it he will be rewarded. Well, we look a little bit further. Psalm chapter one, or Psalm one in verses one through three. And this is a great Psalm. If you'd probably do us well to read this on a regular basis, it's a short Psalm. We're just gonna focus on the first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, You see, he's focusing on how he's living his life. He's not just being blown along by the wind. He's not just just going along by by whatever whim might strike him at the moment. It's not the idea that that whatever influence somebody tries to impose upon him, he just bends as though a river going, taking the path of least resistance, but he's focused. He walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, He does not stand in the path of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God, the law of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It's a part of his life. It's a part of his mindset. He has a focus in the way that he's living his life. And so what's the result? 
So the psalmist writes, and he uses terms that we could relate to by way of, of, of emphasis and illustration. And so he says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There's a difference between a tree that's planted in an arid kind of, 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 of uh, landscape where there may not be much water, and a tree that's planted close to the banks of a river or a stream that continually bless that tree with the nutrients and the water that it needs to produce the fruit that God designed that particular kind of tree to produce. And so he says, the one, the person who's paying attention to God's word, who's focused on living by those teachings, he's like that tree planted by the waters. And his life is gonna be fruitful from a spiritual perspective on an ongoing basis. He's going to be able to walk that walk faithfully and dedicated and obediently, consistently, and be able to look forward with confidence to an eternal home in heaven. So again, are you careful or are you careless? And this this time we need to stop and think. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How often do we need to be under the sound of God's teachings, the Bible? We need to be under the sound of God's word all the time, don't we? We have the opportunity every day to sit down and open it up and read and study for ourselves. But we also need to be with the church as they gather together for Bible studies and preaching and teaching and communing around the Lord's table and being in fellowship with one another because God's word is going to be taught in those settings on a consistent basis. And we're gonna be able to get insight that we may not be able to quite pull out just on reading it by ourselves. And we're gonna be encouraged, we're gonna be built up and strengthened, edified through our study together. He, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, Paul said, be diligent to present yourself a worker approved to God rightly dividing or handling correctly, understanding correctly and making the proper applications to your life, the word of truth. Now, how does that come to be? By studying, by staying in God's word. Are you careless? Are we careless in applying the teachings of God's word to our lives? Are we careless at times in studying as much as we ought to be studying God's word? Isaiah 5 and verse 24, therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust. And then notice, because they have rejected the uh, the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Ultimately, someone who lives outside of the teachings and the discipline of God's word is gonna pay the price. Their life is not going to be what they should want it to be. It's not going to be fruitful from a spiritual perspective. They're not gonna be able to live their life assured God's right there with me. He's gonna take care of me, whatever might happen. They won't be able to look forward with with certainty and, and confidence 
that they're going to be with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity, have eternal life. That's what we're talking about because their life is not guided by God's Word. It's not guided by God's Word because they're not in God's Word. And so the, the illustration, the language there, the imagery is they're going to be like stubble that's just burned, chaff that's just burned up and their blossom will, will ascend like dust. It's not going to bring forth full fruit. And the reason because they have rejected the law of the Lord and they've despised his word, despised his word. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, I don't despise the word of God, but in action, they don't live by it. And so how can they say, I love the word of God if they're not living by it, if they're not studying it? Paul goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, can you think about any, any body of knowledge or instruction, any book that we could read, any article that we could become immersed in that would be as valuable as picking up God's word and reading through it on a regular, consistent basis? That's not saying that there's anything wrong with reading books or articles or newspapers or magazines or whatever, as long as they're not ungodly in what they're saying, but they don't compare in importance and in benefit to our being in God's word. And being here tonight is we're exercising that, that importance. We're emphasizing it. I want to be here. I want to hear God's word taught. I want to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to grow spiritually, grow in my faith. And once again, as we keep emphasizing, where does faith come from? How does it develop within an individual? It's not magic. It's not something that we just catch by accident like a cold. It comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. When we pick up the Bible and we read it, we're reading God's very word. In fact, from the Greek, it is more literally translated, all scripture is God breathed. And the imagery there is the words that we read in the scriptures are as if they're flowing across God's lips, his very word. And they are profitable for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word will guide us, equip us to do what we ought to be doing and live the life that he wants us to live in, worship, in, in, in dedication to him, in worship before him, in service to him on an ongoing basis. God's word equips us to live that righteous, dedicated and Christian life and ultimately receive that eternal reward in heaven. God's word prepares us and equips us and blesses us through all of that. Are you careless or diligent about being at every service of the Lord's church that you can possibly be at? 
or are you making excuses? I don't think we need to be there on Sunday night. I don't think we need to be there on Sunday and uh, Wednesday night. I don't think we really need to be there for Bible classes. I think maybe just an hour a week is going to do it for us. We become more diligent at doing our jobs at work, don't we, so often than we are at really dedicating ourselves and putting ourselves into becoming stronger and stronger and more and more dedicated Christians. Are you careless or diligent about being at every church service possible? Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 23, it talks about my particular faith, my, my confession of faith. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is who he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another. So I have a responsibility to try to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ in their faith, help them be strong spiritually. And I want to be able to gain from being around them and, and kind of get better, get stronger off of their strong faith. So let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So a basic fundamental way that I can pay proper attention to stay strong in my faith and to help my brothers and sisters in Christ and to be helped by them to even grow stronger is to be with them together as they come together as the church to worship God and study his word to be in fellowship with one another. It's easy to become careless and complacent and drift away from a lifestyle of faithfulness and open dedication if we just don't give it proper attention in our lives. We look at Hebrews chapter two and verse one. Therefore, we must give the more earnest, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away lest we drift away. And then in chapter 3 and verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Let me suggest to you that there are a whole lot of people who have departed from God who do not even realize that they've left him because he's not really in their mind. If you ask them directly, do you think you've left God? They say, well, no, of course not. Are you walking with him? Are you living by his teachings? Are you being obedient to his word on a consistent daily basis? Well, uh, and then they'd start stuttering, wouldn't they, and stammering, and, and maybe not even know what to say. They've left God already. They haven't denied him as far as claiming to be an atheist or saying, I don't believe in God anymore. They've just simply drifted away because they haven't paid proper attention to their soul. They haven't paid proper attention to their relationship with God. They've just drifted away. They become careless rather than careful. And they've turned away from God. Well, are you careless in being so busy with affairs in this life that you're not actively involved in the work and activities of the church? 
And we need to stop and think about that. The devil will keep us busy if that's the only way he can keep us ineffective as a Christian. And I said ineffective. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful, full of care in a positive way, to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. I've seen active, working, dedicated Christians who made a decision to step away from some of that work that they were doing. And in one or two situations or occasions, I've, I've, I've warned them, I've said, be careful now. Don't stop working. And I've watched some of them become weaker, it would seem, in their dedication. We need to be careful to maintain good works because these things are good and profitable to men. Ephesians 2 and verse 10, we need to understand that God has created good works for each of us to be involved in. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, not everybody has the same talents and abilities, capabilities, opportunities, but we all have talents and abilities and capabilities and opportunities. We understand that some people can play NFL football. They can throw a pass 60 yards to a receiver. Some people can play NBA professional basketball and they can dunk a basketball through the hoop. I never can dump a, dunk a basketball through the hoop. I used to play a whole lot, but I, I never could do that. Some people can pick up a violin and they can play a concerto on that violin. I can't do that. Probably most of us, almost all of us here this evening could not, could not do that. But each one of us has abilities and capabilities. Each one of us has some opportunities to be able to serve God in an active way, an active way. Let's not be careless in not using those abilities and capabilities that God has blessed us with, the opportunities that he has put before us to be able to serve him actively, to be involved in good works. And that's an active kind of involvement. Are you careless in giving back to God from the blessings with which he has blessed you? A lot of people make excuses, don't they? Are you careless in giving back to God from the blessings with which he has blessed you? I'm afraid a whole lot of people don't realize that when we come together as the church to worship God, we pray together and we understand that as being worship. We partake of the Lord's Supper. We understand that as being worship. We sing praises to God and we understand we're worshiping God. We listen to God's word being proclaimed by a preacher or a teacher and we say, yes, we're worshiping God, we're learning. But I'm afraid we don't, a whole lot of the time, we don't realize that the giving part is just as much worship as all of those other parts of coming together as the church and worshiping God. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. 
for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God will continue to bless us according to how we worship him through our giving. We need not be careless in that aspect of our, of our worship and our dedication to God. Walk circumspectly. I've talked about this word a lot of time and those who have been listening to me for the last, I don't know how many years, they understand what I'm going to say before I ever say it. That's a great word. I love words. I love language. I, I love literature. Words have meaning. They communicate thoughts and messages. And that word circumspectly, if you look for a synonym, it'll say carefully, probably. But it even goes beyond just being careful. It's the idea of being extra careful, thinking ahead, what's going to be the result if I take this particular action? If I go in this particular direction, what's that going to lead to? And then what's that going to lead to? And what's that going to lead to? That's walking circumspectly and not carelessly in your daily Christian life. And that's right from the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. See that you walk circumspectly, advisedly, thoughtfully. And, and how can we be best prepared to do that? By reading God's word, by following those teachings. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, the devil is going to open up all kinds of temptations, roadblocks, challenges to our faith and faithfulness. And we need to always walk circumspectly through our life day by day. Don't carelessly neglect your salvation. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Probably every single one of us have either experienced ourselves in our personal lives or we have observed people we know, maybe loved ones, who have been careless in the way they've lived their life in one way or another. And they've suffered the consequences for it. And we've wondered, maybe we've even talked to him and said, why do you keep doing that? Don't you see what it's causing you? But you keep on doing that. There is no greater focus of emphasis that should be in our lives than our spiritual lives, our relationship with God, our focus on our soul's salvation and our eternal destiny. Heaven is what we should be working for all the time. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by those to us, by those who heard him. Second Peter chapter one, verses 10 and 11. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Now remember what we read in second Timothy two and verse 15, where the apostle Paul wrote, be diligent to present yourself approved before God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here Peter writes, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election. And those are descriptive words 
For he's saying your salvation, your eternal life, sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom, heaven, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't be careless in your faith. Don't let your guard down. Don't be careless in your commitment to God and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't be careless in your dedication to God. Don't be careless with your soul. We're talking about eternity. And there are only two alternatives, heaven or that other place we don't even want to think about, and that's hell. It's one or the other. There's no middle road. There's no third alternative. Don't be careless in your daily walk before God. If you need to come, if you're ready to repent of your sins and be baptized into Christ, we're ready to help you this evening. If you need to study, please ask us. We'll help you with that this evening. If you need the prayers of the church, we're here to pray. If you'll step forward and let us know or talk with us privately. If you need to come, don't be careless. Be careful. Be focused. Come as we stand and sing.